They're taking Cherubin pot strewn strategically along the daily. Charter boys are tying paternosters in preparation for the fray. Tinnies are being towed to target on the Arnhem Highway. Over in Gove, they're rigging up teasers for the big boys. There's an air of anxious optimism at harbourside boat ramps as launch time moves. And in the front bar of the top end pub. So I'm trialling the face buff right, just trying to be cool on the water, you know, but it was a bit choppy. Before I knew it, man, I'd whommed all inside it, carried up my nose, couldn't do anything about it. So humiliating. I mean, oh, uh oh, Smith. What's going on? Jesus, is that the time? Oh, showtime. Great. Yeah, let's go. Quick, Hurry up. Drink get up. your bums in the boat and get on with it. G'day fishos and welcome to the tinny on another Friday or Saturday or whatever day it is you're listening. How about that rain, eh? How about... Hey! <laughs> hey! How about that rain? 173 mils out there at Shady Camp area uh, earlier in the week. That was over a few days. Was it, last time I looked, 173 mils to, you know, the last five or seven days, whatever it is. So we haven't had any reports coming in yet from Shady from these neap building from the neap tides that everyone's been waiting for out there, hoping for clearer water. Uh, perhaps that's because of 173 mils of rain uh, pretty much destroying those fantasies. <laughs> oh, that's a shame with the... I mean, the rain is awesome, but a shame with the timing because you'd expect that to really muddy up conditions out there. Although, love to hear your reports if you've headed out or, or on your way back in. 1300 mullet is the number, 1300 685538. Or flick us an email at fishing at or just a quick little message into uh, the Tinny Facebook. So no reports from there as yet, but there are plenty from elsewhere, including other parts of Kakadu where the meteries are starting to be landed. What is it? Hand over fist might be an exaggeration, but fairly consistently. G'day again to you, Rock. G'day, Tim. We need to get you and Andy into that pub with the bloke with the deep gravelly voice. Yeah. Who says, I mean, it's still me and Rob hanging out there. The bloke who says, get your bums in the boat and get on with it. Yeah. So we're going to haul you into that pub for a yarn fairly soon. Yeah. How you been? Um, very good. You've been fishing, I bet. I have been fishing. Mm. I, I went out to Mary River Bridge Lagoon last weekend. Isn't isn't that as basically as barrelless as the Adelaide River, that lagoon? No, it's not. I, like, it, actually, at the moment, it's quite shallow. Like, everything out there is very shallow. But I've, I've fished out there a number of times, particularly with um, my own guru, Washo, who is a bit of a fish whisperer. And we've often caught some nice little barrows in there. And many moons ago, I remember a lady uh, catching an 88 off the pylons of the bridge. Why would you choose Mary River L Bridge Lagoon? I mean, I don't want to do... I want to encourage Frothy Waffle Tourist Campaign for the people who run businesses there. But why would you ever choose that over a place like Corroboree or Hardy's? 
Well, one, it's, it's actually a really pretty little place to fish. Mm. And there are some good spots upstream and downstream. It's close and easy, I suppose. It's close and easy. And if you've been fishing the salt water, say, on a Saturday, you go to Mary River Mix Bridge Lagoon and fresh water and clean the boat out. It's pretty good. Do any good this time? Uh, we <laughs> nah. uh, No, we've got a lot of bycatch. <laughs> Caddies. Yeah, we're only there, no, with all sorts. We were only there for a few hours, really, in the afternoon. We just wanted to, it was a late afternoon sort of idea, let's go, and we did. Um, but, yeah, we had a bit of bycatch, and oh, one yeah, in that's particular. Right. That's right, it was this one. Oh, that must be metery at least. Oh, oh, oi! There's the leader. Okay. Here we go. Here we go. There it is. <gasps> Whoa. Whoa. <laughs> <laughs> is that for real? That's green? That's Kelly Carroll. <laughs> that's not that's not a catfish coming for <laughs> no, no, that was a freshwater crocodile. And uh, oh, that was genuine fear. Yeah, I, I um, I've, I've snagged it on the retrieve, and I knew straight away it was um, it was not silver. Oh, was was there wee on the floor of the boat? <laughs> well, I didn't expect Kelly to let that go, but she has got quite a, an a amazing sp- scream. <laughs> That'd be the best scream I've heard on the tinny ever. Oh, it was a good day with her though. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's always fun on the boat with her, you know, and it just reminds you if you've ever been on a boat where there's. No laughing, more languish than laughing. Yeah. Um, on a boat with Kelly, I have to say, I haven't done it very often, but when we have been on a boat together, it is, there's always some sort of drama. Yeah, and mm. some deckies just make up for the lack of fish if it's quiet, don't they? It's great Just fun. by yeah. loving being out there. You've got to remember that it's mm. all about the mateship on a boat, and even if the fishing's bad, you've got to enjoy the day. Bloody oath. A couple more updates for you, Fishos. We've got to mention Beard, who got his first barra sight cast from the yak Finally. around, yeah, around <laughs> Coconut Grove. Well, th- this is this is absolute testament to a lifetime, really, of patience and persistence. Do you think he screamed? Oh, he would have squealed <laughs> like a baby. You should have seen the texts and the incoming. When he got it. So sight casting, you can imagine how awesome that would be. Sight oh, cast off it, the yacht. And they were, they were decent too. They were over 60. Yeah, when you're in a fixed boat or vessel like that, yeah, yeah you, you, know, I mean, you can't really move. You've got to manoeuvre the whole thing. You can't just move your body I around I think you the got them right up on a high tide at the top of the mangroves too. Mm. So it would have been tight fishing. Uh, and you would have seen the 124 off Kales during the week. Oh, who hasn't? <laughs> what a crack. What a horse that, that was. And how exciting um, to see those ladies. They were absolutely elated. I reckon they had a few screams. Oh, man, they were stoked, weren't they? And, of course, Fishers, yeah, 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 we get it. We know. They kept the, the, the 124 is now dead. Um, most Fishers don't like seeing that too much. Uh, there's some questions too. I mean, obviously on Bookface, everyone's kind of saying, I thought 90 centimetres was the maximum limit through Kakadu or one over 90. That's one, one over, over 90 One anyway. over 90. And that's vessel limits anyway. And um, Yeah, okay. Yeah. And I'm not, when you have a look at the photos, it looks, it looks like it's probably been caught on the eastern side anyway. It may not have been in the Kakadu region. Oh, so locals from Gumbalanya perhaps. They are locals from Gumbalanya. And I just yep. kind of think, you know, had they thrown that fish back in, it was probably a spent, and it probably would have been taken by a croc. Oh, that f- if they'd tried to release that at the crossing, oh, no that, that was a dead metering anyway. Yeah, it was. Mm. It was. And I kind of think it's probably already spawned, being that it's upriver. 
when they spawn oh, yeah. out in the salt yeah. water. So people worry about that. And let's think about that. They spawn, they, they let go about millions and millions of eggs in one go. I, I don't know if it's time for this. We do need to... I mean, it has been amazing. Is that a bit much, though? Have we got that... Have we got that acute infestation of green tree frogs yet? Maybe not. That's kind of... That's the uh, Christmas or January monsoon, isn't it? Maybe this is more appropriate. Let's just settle in, fishos. Rather than the early January green tree frog infestation. That's more like it, We'll just settle in this week with some lovely early, late build-up, early wet season storms. Loving the rain on Tales from the Tinny. I just had the worst happy ending of my life. <laughs> I was nearly sort of dry reaching just from thirst. And basically shitting my pants going, oh no, I've got to f- stop this, it's going gonna, it's gonna to trash me. Tales from the Tinny. Dogs out, dogs out, dogs out. Yeah, go on, get out. Not every day you talk about fishing in a dog grooming Salon, there's shampoo, there's tubs, there's some sort of massive industrial hairdryer, clippers everywhere. Brian Miles, how you going? Yeah, good, thanks, Tim. With all these facilities, is there also some pressure on you to keep yourself groomed? I mean, you've got all the gear here, and I see your hairstyle is not dissimilar to a fluffy uh, lab or border collie, Brian. Yeah, I guess it's a bit like, uh, you know, plumbers, the plumbing at their house is in the worst condition. Electricians, Me- yeah. Mechanics with oil yeah, leaks all absolutely. through their car. Yeah, yeah, I think my hair is probably the last that gets attention uh, around here. Does any member of the family ever come down to the dog grooming salon to be groomed themselves for a haircut, buff and polish or whatever it is you do to dogs? They're not game to come anywhere near me, no. <laughs> You've been down to the Gulf, Brian? We do an annual trip down there. Brothers come up from... Victoria and across from Townsville and uh, a few mates and uh, we uh, head down to the Gulf every year for an annual uh, annual trip where we, you know, make sure our liver is taken care of. Yeah, we did quite well this year. Always at this time of year? Yeah, we like doing the build-up, a bit warmer down there and uh, the fish start to come on now. The netters have been gone for a, for a, for a month now, so... Enough time for the for the fish to come back into the systems, and the water was a bit dirtier. We had quite uh, windy weather, um, so hence it, it found us. It took us a few days to find them this year, um, but when we found the clear water and uh, we found the bait, we found the fish. You don't want to go into it precisely where you were. Can you give us any rough idea? No, look, I know the the the, the, the Tinny Church is a tight knit family and I'd love to share more precise locations but my brothers probably don't see it that way and I probably like to keep hold of my left testicle so I'll probably keep it pretty tight. Perhaps the brothers need to be brought into the congregation and then they'll understand that sharing is caring, Brian. Well, yes, the old, you know, podcast these days and stuff, there's, there's no reason why they, they, they shouldn't join the church. We're in the Gulf and Coastal Creeks, yeah, yeah. One of the boats did nearly 700 k's, so we did have to cover quite a bit of water to, to find them, but once we did find them, then it was just straight back there and they were still there for a couple of days in a row. So how critical was that, finding that clear water to finding the fish? Totally, absolutely totally. Um, we were picking up, you know, maybe 
10 fish a day, 15 fish a day in, in dirty water and, and we just kept hunting and hunting and uh, eventually we found that clear water and we found the numbers of fish and, and the bait were there and the barrow were there and, and then it was just game on. You mean kind of clear enough to see your prop in the water or a, a, a bit dirtier than that? No, it, in the Gulf uh, we find it clearer than what you find up here. Um, what we would find dirty down there is... Um, what you would find, oh, not too bad up here, sort of thing. So, um, you know, fishing Darwin Harbour or places like that, you would go, oh, you know, this is fine. But down in the in the in the Gulf there, where we fish, it seems to really need to find that like really quite clear water. Probably got a, a meter and a half of visibility, really quite clear. Probably the the, the highlight of the of the trip was uh, my mate Paul catching his first metery, um, which was. Uh, sight cast into a drain, um, which uh, was pretty spectacular. Uh, Must have been a good cast. It was an absolute fluke. He had no idea it was there. I was up on the ca- casting deck with the electric, and he was at the back of the boat. Done my first cast and uh, and missed him. And he's just lobbed it in there, straight in front of his face, twitch twitch, and I saw it all happen right in front of me. It was <laughs> it was pretty fantastic. What was the most effective lure? Hard bodies, um, you know, sort of. We find the, the smaller sort of profile down there, the sort of three, four inch sort of lures seem to work best. We, we do catch them on six inch lures down there, but sort of that smaller profile matches the bait down there and seems to work pretty well. The last two days we were getting 50 to 60 barrel a day. We had one situation there with Paul trying to put some sunscreen on. He'd forgot his hat back at camp and um, three times he attempted to put sunscreen on and just putting the rod in the rod holder and he just couldn't get there. He just fish just kept smacking his lure every time. No wiggle or any of that. He was just whacking it in the rod holder and it was just getting slammed. So trying to wind in his fish with sunscreen all over his hand and his face and all over his rod and that was quite hilarious. He was getting quite frustrated. He couldn't couldn't get get his lube on. So Yeah, and the challenge is when it does hit, you can't just leave it. You no, just can't. You can't. No, you can't. You've, you, you've got to. You've got to go for it. And um, yeah, I, I probably wish wish I had got some video footage. It was quite good. Paul with his uh, his first metery, caught on a top of the range, a hundred dollar combo fiberglass bait caster combo. Uh, my brothers would probably average the average combo gear would be twelve hundred dollars. Back at camp, it was shared quite aggressively that. Um, <laughs> $100 combos is all you need to catch meter plus barra. You don't, you don't need to spend the big bucks to get the big girls. So, yeah, no, it was quite entertaining. How'd that glass 100-buck rod perform for the rest of the trip? It smashed it. Absolutely smashed it. It was the sunscreen rod. It was the... It probably, it probably landed more barra than all the graphite rods and all the top-of-the-range reels, and um, it held its place with the best... Sometimes complete disdain, disinterest, lack of maintenance or care is the way to catch more fish, isn't it? I think so. I think so. I think sometimes you can overthink these things, stuff it and see, and fish guides are on your side, mate. You're, you're away. What a great note to end on and a great MO for the Church of the Tinny, stuff it and see. Ain't you, Brian? You've got to get yourself on one of these tables and get the clippers out. That, that mop's a disgrace. Thanks, mate. I'll, uh, I'll, I'll see what we can do about it. Another great and honourable member of the church there, Rock. But a conflicted one. Which pulls rank? The obligation to the church to give specifics about the location or the loyalty to blood relatives, the, the brothers, 
who insist on keeping it a secret. And here, for what it's worth, is my observation for the Miles brothers, and indeed the entire church of the Tinney, to reflect upon. Brothers, which one of you actually lives in the territory, the territory you just had the privilege of fishing? Which one of you suffers the exorbitant cost of living, the increasingly oppressive liquor restrictions, the unacceptable upsurge in traffic lights on the daily eight-minute commute to work and back? Who suffers the incessant assault by flying insect, the punishing heat and humidity, the torrential rain and cyclone? And then, as a final insult, who is it who suffers the further the final incessant assault from grey nomad and tourist when the weather finally does get nice. And thus, congregation, which one of the Miles brothers earns the right to choose what information he shares with the church and the, the terms upon which he shares it? Is it, I ask you, the faithful? Is it Gavin from Townsville? Is it Roger from Victoria? Is it they who's earned the right to dictate such terms? Are they within their rights to threaten their own brother, a territory local who no doubt organised the logistics for the entire trip, to threaten this man, their flesh and blood, with left testicular castration should he share with the church. I ask you to consider carefully this question as it goes to the heart of loyalty, of family and of faith. How dare you ask him to choose? Shame on you, brothers Miles. Shame on you. For this, our blessed bounty, is a bounty for all to share. In the name of the Holy Church, forever and ever. Amen. Well, Tim, some mates have just returned from fishing a river somewhere, you know where, somewhere out there, and report that they did land too. They dropped at least 10, and they say that somewhere probably in the 70 to 80 range, possibly one in the 90s, there was a few boats around and saw other boats landing fish. Where were they, Rock? Come on, you, are, you have an obligation to the church. Oh, it'd be the mouth of the south. Why are they dropping so many? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, that's yeah. yeah, that's not bad actually. Ten in the seventies, 80s, maybe some up in the nineties. Yeah, yeah, Mouth but it just, south. Okay. just they're there, they're there. That is a very helpful report. 
Uh, g'day to Brendan Harkness. Just ahoy as Fish Shoal Bay on uh, Thursday. Half dozen in the esky. Nothing over 60. Um, good enough though for a couple of keepers, Brendan. Keeps it lively too. Uh, Rumours of bigger fish at the uh, boat ramp chatter. Uh, some rumours there about a bloke with a microphone too who's been wandering the flats aimlessly, just screaming at, him, at himself and others. Why have you forsaken me? Fish gods, why? Be a bit more on the detail of that. Weirdo wandering the flats of uh, Shoal Bay shortly. An opportunity, which we all like opportunities, from AFANT. Um, anybody out there that might be an emerging or aspiring young leader in our wreck fishing community um, could possibly attend the National Wreck Fishing Conference in Hobart next month. If you're interested, have a look at AFANT on the, their Facebook site and there's details there for you to apply, but it's, it sounds like a really good thing. How many are they looking for? Two. Uh, what are, what's young? Young, oh, you know, 50? 20, 35. Oh, yeah. You know. Yeah, out of our... Out of our range. <laughs> and also, um, Reeling Vets, you'll remember them. They're, they're a group yep. that uh, deal with uh, veterans and uh, often take out people with PTSD. They've just done a trip to the Tiwis with 19 vets. That's a lot of people. Yeah, good on them. They got into some really nice jewies out there and, um, yeah, they've just had a mental health break this week. Good on you, Mob. G'day to Lats. Gave him a quick buzz during the week after looking at the tides. If anyone's going to do some big build-up bar emissions on good tides, it's, it's Craig Lattimore. Oh, sorry about the green tree frogs earlier, Lats. I think he's the one who goes insane and gets very angry when he hears them on the <laughs> tinning. A 410, I think, was his weapon of choice. Uh, anyway, uh, Beard's called him. Uh, it turns out that, yes, indeed, he's going on a trip, and, yes, indeed, he just happened to be in his boat with crap everywhere, getting ready to hit somewhere the next day with another someone... Another territory, big barra stalwart. I hope you did well, boys, fishing somewhere. They'll t- they'll tell us after they've fished it. Oh, I no hope doubt. so. Yeah. yeah, we need some 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 in, some intel. Yeah, um, free stuff. Well, <laughs> not quite free stuff. What what free stuff? Free access. Um, it seems that the government's going to change the way we access a secure compound at Buff Creek. So that means that um, from December one, you can leave your car and trailer in the compound for free. But you need to ring, uh, there's an info line, you ring that, they give you an access code um, and that'll give you access to the lock gates and they'll get your rego, you'll be captured on CCTV, of course they'll have your phone number. So so is that is that enough? If I was a low-down, mongrel, scumbag crim who wanted to smash windows, torture car, yeah. uh, you know, and flog an umbrella from it as they tend to, they well, really, really tend to break into cars and flog like a piece of cardboard. What are you breaking into my car for? What are you smashing my car for to flog an umbrella and a piece of cardboard? Anyway, uh, if I was one of those people, yeah. would I be dissuaded enough by having to call a phone number to get the code to get in? Yeah, well, I don't think these people are actually kind of across all the information stuff. So they probably don't know you need to ring in the first place. They'll just rock up there and find lock gates. And nick off. And nick off, hopefully. They reckon, they reckon, you, <laughs> they reckon they'll catch hopefully. you on CCTV anyway. Yeah, And then yeah. you've got to give your number. Yeah, that's right. And your rego. Yeah. So, yeah. so you we'll know, they're going to see, you know, these people turning up.
to flog the cardboard yeah, and the umbrella. Absolutely. Uh, Paul Williams. Hey, Tinny boys. The great bill fishing season we've had in Darwin has stirred the loins, so I decided to slip over to Cairns and the Great Barrier Reef to see if we can boat the Holy Grail thousand pound. Here's a pic of one of the baits yesterday about to go out. He's holding a big mackie, lips all sewed up, ready for bait. So that's of, that is serious marlin fishing when you're using big mackie mm. as your bait. That's yes. full on. It is, it is. Uh, in the end, actually, he did get back to us a little while after that. Um, just got the one, about 400 pounds. Well, that's not bad. We got a message from David. Midnight, Sunday night, mind you. Went to anchor to have a late dinner and to sleep for an hour or two until the turn of the tide. Mm. And as we laid down, my mate Micah saw a couple of squid in the anchor light. We were going to try and catch the squid on jigs, but didn't have time. Heaps of Jew and Threadies moved in and got the squid before we had the chance, so we caught them instead. This is unreal. Hundreds of baby Jewfish. One cast. One bite. Two bites. Oh, my lure was in the water. I got hooked up. No cast hook up. Yeah, on. Wow, that was full on. No cast hookup. Well, they bagged out on the threadies. They were anywhere from 40 to 70 centimetres, and they put little ones back, and, and they got their three and yeah. just let it go. What a great session. Mm. Uh, from Bell, hi, my six-year-old son Levi went to the Barra Wreck Fishing Farm out at uh, Humpty Doo and caught a 94-centimetre Barra. Bloody hell, you've ruined his life forever now, Bell. <laughs> <laughs> Good on you, Levi. Champion, mate fine way to introduce your progeny into fishing. Get them into a ninery-ery, ninery. How do you say a metery that's in the 90s? Ninery. It's not isn't it? Ninery. A ninery. I don't know. It's a ninery-ery. <laughs> uh, when they're still uh, just in kindy. Now, uh, just finally in Hoy, there is nothing that the tinny loves more than a mole. Rock? A mole, yes. We need more Yeah, we moles. do need. We do. We Clearly. An upstanding member of the congregation so committed to the best interests, not of self, but to the entire church itself, that they risk being shunned and shamed and ostracised and ridiculed in their community. Even hung, drawn and quartered or burned at the stake like a witch. Just to share the truths and the facts about where it's going off. There is one thing, though, that the tinny does love more than a mole, Rock, and... That's a horde of moles. A horde? Yes. Do you know... A gaggle of moles. Well, it usually is a colony of moles. A burrow of moles. Well, a labour of moles is the correct term, actually. Altar boys and girls, if you will. Let's just call them the altar boy moles. Uh, And so they're being unearthed out across Kakadu and Jabiru. Their torch of truth rock being fuelled by reports from this brave soul who was the first a a couple of weeks back. From the faceless, nameless man, Rock, this is a man who does not even exist. We'll call him our kakadu, or her, or it, our kakadu mole. Please don't mention my name, as people in this town like to keep secrets and the great fishing we have here. 101 centimetre barra on Friday at Kales. Again, no names, no identifying. I'll keep you guys posted from the guy with no name, no face, no existence. Now, we suspect... Since those earlier revelations, Rock, there's likely to have been federal police raids, <laughs> FOI requests, yep. extradition orders, water torture, removal of fingernails, you know, the lot. Banned it, from fishing. Yeah, everything <laughs> to find the source, the whistleblower. 
But as in all such cases, uh, Fishos, the revelations, a bit like the Me Too campaign, have simply inspired more, flushed out more altar boys and girls, brimming with confidence from the bravery of the one. This is what we love. Yeah, I'm <laughs> so loving it. Or perhaps it... Perhaps, too, it's the watertight legal protections afforded by the tinny, one would hope so, uh, that's encouraged more. You would go to jail for these guys. Oh, totally, man. Giving evidence to us is not dissimilar to giving evidence to a coronial inquiry or a royal commission or to ICAC. They can pull my fingernails out. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, So we've had confirmation now of a range of reports from a range of moles, truthful reports that... The 124 bagged at Kales during the week is not, I repeat, not the only one. There are multiple big barra coming off the crossing at this time. The ever-growing network of Kakadu moles can definitively confirm the personal witness to five meteries off the crossing in the last four weeks, with the photos to prove it. Over and out. The resistance. And to that, we the church say bravo! Your honour, your integrity, your bravery will be rewarded, altar boys and girls, for outing the truth, the truth in the public interest! for your selfless acts of valour in the name of the church. They deserve a sainthood, Tim. This is even better. In tribute to your genuine courage in battle, your veneer of grace in defeat, and your facade of humility in victory, be kneeling, humble Fisho, as we knight and award thee a Tales from the Tinny Honourable Mention. Shoot it. Share it. Shout it. Give us a hoy. Hey, my name's Trav from Nightcliffe. Uh, I went on a recent trip to uh, the mouth of the south on uh, a set of neeps. Planning on spending a few nights out there and fishing. Is it midnight? I don't even know the names of them. But yeah, midnight creek. There's a few coastal creeks sort of around that, around there. So yeah, those those sort of tidal creeks there. Uh, a Wednesday it was, and uh, that was going to be the peak of the uh, the tides. And uh, had a bit of luck. Spent a couple of days trolling just for maybe two or three sort of 60, 70 centimetre fish. Then on the yeah, late Wednesday afternoon, fishing with a mate, Steve, and he's, he was in a separate boat. And uh, we went our own ways and... I thought uh, I thought I'd push up into a into a little creek because things were getting a bit slow and caught one catfish, dropped it on my foot. Thought, nah, fuck it. I'm heading back out into the into the creek, into the into the river, and uh, I'm dragging two big green bombers, and I'm going to have a real go at this. And I think five minutes into turning into that creek, just a huge fish jumped out of the water, obviously with a green bomber in its mouth, and uh, I was in shock. I, I, it was I wasn't prepared. I just cracked a beer. Had the sunshade up, obviously two rods out. Yeah, the chaos that that went from there was uh, <laughs> was epic. It uh, luckily it, I was pushing into the tide, and uh, the fish sort of went uh, into the tide as well. So the lure stayed out the the spare lure stayed out the back because I didn't have any time to get that in at all. And fought the fish sort of from the back of the boat. A couple of big jumps, clear out of the water. I could see it was massive, and 
did a run into the trees. I, I, I thought I'd lost it there. I thought, oh, well, this, this is no good. I'm going to sort of motored, sort of putted back and came back into the river, spun around the boat a couple of times. So by this time, the, the braid from the spare rods wrapped around the, the bimini uh, a couple of times. So I'm ducking and weaving under that as well. And uh, <laughs> The joys of fishing solo. Oh, it's crazy. It's crazy. Like it's, You just don't know whether to leave it up to, to put a hat on and... and or what to do, but anyway, I made that decision, and the the fight prevailed. It sort of it, it ended up going under the boat as well, and I thought I might have lost it then, and got it to the boat, and it was it was huge. It, I'd never seen a fish that big before, let alone caught a fish that big, and it took most of my might to get it into the net and then into the boat to chuck it on the brag mat. <laughs> Went one fifteen in the end, and no one around me to to take a photo. Me mate, he'd he'd putted about ten minutes downstream by the time I'd put this fish back in I'd gunned it to him obviously I got to tell someone and uh, of course we headed straight back there but with no luck that was that was the pretty much the the fish of the trip anyway it was epic the catfish dropped on your foot how much did that have to do with the events that would unfold do you think can you thank the catfish for for the the chain reaction that it set off potentially yeah I think that was the the turning moment of of going right nah I need to give this a real go I need a if I'm going to catch a big fish, I've got to stick in the main river. There's no point flicking at little uh, little snags in these back creeks, <laughs> but it paid off. So this 115, um, how fat are we talking? I, it was so fat. Like, uh, it was, you know, like hugging someone kind of fat. It, it was huge. It was fat. <laughs> you know, obviously that, that size difference they get from... And my previous best one was 90, and which is, I thought was a nice fish. And then, yeah, to 115, they just get wide across the shoulders. They're serious fish. The moment that your mate, Penno, g'day Penno, found out that you'd caught this 115, uh, was it sort of more congratulations or more envy? <laughs> he's very diplomatic, Stephen. He was very happy for me, even though he's done a couple of trips out there recently without success of a big fish, so he's... He maintained his, uh, maintained his uh, diplomacy and congratulated me and said, all right, let's give it a go, let's get out there. And, yeah, but uh, no, to no avail, he didn't end up with one. When you, you found those hookups, uh, what stage of tide were you at? Uh, it was close to high. It was a funny part of the tide, like it was a bit of a nothing part of the tide. Um, I think that was another reason why I just, I'd cracked a beer and got the shade up. I thought, oh, well, I'll just, I'll just putt around. So yeah, it was close. It was building, um, probably an hour or two off of high tide. For all members of the Tinny Church listening who haven't caught a metery, just inform them how how long does that feeling last, and uh, and and how good is it? We've got a group of mates that I, we sort of talk to online, and I, I did a one week anniversary. I've just done uh, a two week anniversary, <laughs> coming up to a three week anniversary, a metaversary I'm calling them. And there, I think that'll go until maybe my next one. I reckon. <laughs> The metaversary. <laughs> I like it. So I think I can safely say in 12 months' time I'll be in exactly the same spot to, to celebrate and hopefully uh, better the PB of, uh, of the last metaversary. Awesome fishing, Trav. How, how was the rest of the fishing, by the way? Did you, did you stop after that? Uh, no, nah, I kept going, but it was slow. So it was really slow. Uh, we were sort of sighting the odd fish uh, on the sounder, but predominantly sort of a lot of 60s 70s maybe 80 centimeter fish um, but still not even a lot of them but yeah this the odd big girl not as many as we'd probably seen in previous years it's actually if, if nothing else too it's a, it's yet another demonstration that you know when you're not catching anything 
lures out to troll, crack a beer, don't expect something to happen, and it probably will. <laughs> that's right, yeah. Take the pressure off, that's it. <laughs> Good on you, Trav. Thanks for talking to the tinny. Cheers, Ben. There's another one, like the Ninery Uri. It's the meativersary. It works, don't you yeah. think? Uh, no. No? <laughs> no, no. Look, I just kind of, if you every week said to me it's my first meativersary, <laughs> it's my second meativersary, eventually it's like, you'd come on, mate. Hating, you'd end up hating me. Yeah, you'd either just go and get another meatery hey, and Rob, stop it. Rob, you know what we are celebrating at the moment? My uh, 13th meativersary. It's the year of my 13th meativersary. The year. So can we, should we have a champagne together? My, my first meadery was 13 years ago. We should have a champagne. It's my 13th meadiversary. Okay. <laughs> you angry yeah. yet? Well, uh, you know, if you're shouting the champagne, I don't mind. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> that was actually a couple of weeks back now, but man, that the guy is still positively glowing, isn't he? Uh, another little incident that Trav thought worth mentioning too, involving a fall to the brim with red wine Penno, uh, who's a regular correspondent to the tinny, and well... A missed opportunity. The night before, uh, we'd both sort of tied up together in the middle of the river and uh, having a bit of a raft up and a beer. And as the tide's sort of ripping out, we just chucked a couple of big rubbers sort of sitting out the back of the boat doing nothing. Had a feed and feed up and an almighty barramundi, I reckon, no more than three or four metres from the boat, jumps out of the water and Steve's looking at me going, check your rod, mate, check your rod, it's on you, it's got something in its mouth. And I've got my rod in my hand going, no, there's nothing on mine, mate. And I said, what about yours? He totally forgot that he had a rod in the water and it's his lines underneath the boat. <laughs> it's probably this barramundi's had his big soft rubber in its gob, no shit, three metres from the boat, metre fish just jumped clear out of the water. He claims it was a, a free jumping barramundi, uh, but he's the one who said he thought he saw a lure in its gob <laughs> and I'm pretty sure it was his. Uh, he'll never live it down. I'll never let him live it down. That hurts. It does, it does. Very big missed opportunity. Too much wine. A friend of mine did that once. We were sitting in a a hole in Shoal Bay, (laughs) you know, with live baits out in the hole, sitting in the boat. And at the time, we were just way too occupied because he had cold pizza from the night before and he bought a whole bottle of tomato sauce. We were so preoccupied with getting the ratio of tomato sauce right on our cold pizza and eating that with the icy cold beer. No, it was my rod. I didn't see or notice, and I didn't have the ratchet on, that my line was just walking all the way way down the (laughs) hole. When I finally got it and put pressure on it, it would have been an 80, 85 launched out of the water, spat it. It's a misdiversary, isn't it? A misdiversary (laughs) or something. That's exactly what it is. Tales from the tinny. I think it's time you got to mull it up, yeah. In NT fishing, there's you wouldn't say there's that many kind of niche styles of fishing, except kayak fishing. Rock, that's probably niche, isn't it? That is very niche. You can have that one all <laughs> okay. to yourself. <laughs> Apart from the kayak fishing. There's fly fishers out there. Fly fishing's big enough that it's not really considered niche. But one thing that I reckon is niche is land-based fishing for big pelagics. And one of the guys who has been doing this for a very long time, Zane Capo. G'day, Zane. How's it going, guys? Yeah, good, man. You've been hitting up East Arnhem lately. Yes, yes, just recently, the end of October there. I spent a couple of weeks over there, um, walking my way around the coastline for about 10 days, 
chasing the deep water and the, the fish that come with it. Was this a, a trip that had been in the works for a while? Probably since high school, around 2009. A good mate of mine, Matt Blue Selwyn, had heard of this spot from another mate, Morgan Hartney, and he'd gone over and had a great time on all the species above that we'd like to chase. And It took me years and years to get there between travelling coast to coast and up into the north to Coburg. And um, this year I just thought I'd finally make it happen after about 10 years. And What's the setup there? Uh, are you fishing from a cliff or something? Yeah, from cliffs to uh, low tide outcrops on the spring lows permitting, um, up to your high cliffs on your high tides. But generally just looking for that deep water close to shore that's not going to dry up. How deep are we talking? Um, I found up to around 7 metres, a consistent 7 metres at my feet, around um, the Cape Arnhem itself and other extends around Gove, which is really good to find up in the NT, considering we're used to mud flats and dirty water. Were you targeting mostly, uh, were you look, going for Mackies? Uh, this trip was mainly mackerel and tuna, yes. Um, I do chase a lot of trevally over more towards Coburg, but this trip I was chasing that mackerel and tuna of the large size, but not this trip wasn't landed. School mackerel were there that I uh, didn't get the primo water to come in this trip. You mentioned trekking. So what's entailed in a typical day when you're out doing this kind of fishing? Ah, uh, you've got to get your tides first, so you sort of plan each session around your tides. And um, basically you need to do a couple of days scouting on each spot first to find out what works on what part of the tides. And that's all walking. So what sort of distances would you walk in a day? Ah, uh, up to around 11 k's, 11, 12 k's. The best day we did out this trip was around 24 k's in a day. So half that in sand and half that in cliff. So this trip you sort of got mostly more into Trevor's? This trip we found the Trevally, not, not by purpose at all, just um, by fishing for mackerel. They inevitably eat your lures as well. But no, there was plenty more there than we thought. Up to what size? Uh, I think the biggest Trevally goes about 11 and a half kilo. It's a brassy Trevally, which is pretty respectable for a brassy. I did get a, quite a few GTs up to around 4 kilo and um, had some bigger fish up to around that 20 kilo mark shadow lures and get beaten by rats to the lure which is a pretty common occurrence with the GT. I've seen some of your photos on Facebook. You're throwing pretty big stick baits and poppers around. Tell us about some of the stuff you're chucking. Oh well that's another thing you've really got to throw everything because it's so hard for me to get info on these spots you can only ask so much because as you said there's not too many people that are into it so you know, I've just got to go and you throw a topwater lure for two hours and you'll spin a metal, you'll throw something like a minnow. But yeah, I did find the mackerel. They would prefer the much larger lures this trip. Um, about 200 mil was the thing they primo size. And having some of those 200 mil stick baits snipped on the drop after a full cast, clicky bail them over and there's nothing left, or have a mackerel strike the head of the lure and no lure, that's part of the game, I guess. Those size lures, like chucking like off a cliff, full body yeah, workout. It is a bit of a workout indeed. It lets you to sleep early, easier at night. It's not easy to sleep in a tent in October. What rod rating? Uh, what size reel? Uh, I'd say 5,000 reel was the primo, around 50 pound braid just for your long cast. And I run rods anywhere from about 9 to 10 foot with very fast taper. But the obvious question crocodiles yeah this trip i didn't see any crocodiles in oh, just over 50 k's as i'm walking i said um no slides on the beach i'm not saying they're not there but um not as prominent say to as coburg national park where you see three or four a day to not even see a slide i found quite interesting now there is a particular substance that you took with you into this trip can we talk about this yeah yeah it's fully legal um it's just helium gas providing i had the right winds for the trip which i didn't get this trip an offshore wind um yeah i was planning to punch out a some gas balloons for anything that wants to eat a nice garfish 
And so if you don't use it, do you just suck on it for shits and giggles? Nah, BOC gets a free 40 bucks off me when I return the cylinder to them. But you do get a lot of funny looks driving through town and in campsites with bottles of helium in the back of your car. You've kind of got into this over years and years fishing uh, like yeah. the likes of yep. Mandora Jetty. How young were you fishing there? Sub 10 with my father and then up into my early teenage years I just went harder and harder and harder and fished all over Australia, coast to coast, um, land-based fishing, yeah. And that's the thing because like this kind of fishing is very popular in, in WA up yeah. north and down south, yeah. back in New South Wales for kingies and stuff. Yeah. In terms of the, the, the spots in the NT where you can actually do this, like you, you're fairly limited, aren't you? Very limited, especially clean water month-wise. You know, we have the wet season, so it's a complete write-off. And then southeasterly ruins a lot of your coastal fishing here as well. So you only got small windows and small windows of area. I think at the end of the day, it all comes down to drive, how bad you really want it. Now you, you hear guys travelling miles for Barramundi and it's, you just blink an eye, it's pretty normal. And then... Sometimes they say to people, like, I did a two and a half thousand kilometre trip and caught some trevally, and they, they look at you quite stupidly, but it's each to their own. It's what you're after, I guess. A lot of these places up here, I won't see anyone for the week as well, which is just great. And it's something different as well. It wasn't just uh, pelagics you were chasing, too. You managed to get some craze, too. Yeah, we got craze each night over the low tides with the hand spear. We also fish plastics a lot on the low tides in the, the pools and caught all your cods and coral trouts and spangled emperors and red throats. Well, that's not a bad little little side project. Yeah, definitely. Good eater. I think it was trout and craze for eight nights. Going into the wet season, those options for the pelagic chaser are, are limited. What do, you, what do you do? Oh, I just sort of, strangely enough, I can't wait for the wet to be over. You don't hear that too often in Darwin, but yeah, just, just knuckle down and work for me and get ready for the next year. Keep looking at those maps and see what else I can find. Good mission. Thanks for talking to the tinny. No worries. Always a pleasure, guys. Helium balloon fishing. <laughs> now that's niche and awesome. It is. I found this guy very, very interesting. Um, and he was saying how, you know, he, he explores a lot of coastline looking for that spot. Mm. And he finds some amazing stuff washed up on the foreshore, including a message in a bottle. He's found a message He in has. A he has a few years back. I often, as a kid and still sometimes as an adult, if you can call me that, I don't mind running a little message in a bottle out there and seeing what... I mean, yeah, sure, I'm polluting the oceans, but they're polluted enough. I mean, what's another bottle, hey? Well, Tim, I always I thought... I running out of message in the I've bottle. seen you empty a lot of bottles. Yeah. <laughs> I've seen you put anything back in. So, wait, what, did the message... Could he read the message? Yeah, he did. We don't have a copy of that. He kept it very quiet and private, but it turned out that it was someone from Darwin, and it washed up somewhere in East Arnhem. So... Interesting. And it was years later, so he made contact and that person was actually overseas at the time. So well, but he didn't tell you the details? They, oh, he did, but yeah, I've, I've forgotten what the message was, but there was a phone number. There was a message in yeah. a bottle. Oh, that's awesome. Less than a minute later, boof, I got one, I got one. And I was like, oh, whoa, it's big. I've got some fish. <laughs> Tales from the Tinny. From across the vast expanses of the wild and untamed Top End, intrepid tinny correspondents risk rampage and ridicule from crewmates to bring you the truth. Incoming, incoming, incoming. G'day, this is Packy Andy, and I've had a couple of weeks off the tinny, and just sitting here watching the tide come in, doing a bit of self-reflection. You see, I just got back from Shoal Bay, and this trip had been planned for a couple of months. In fact... Hadn't been down around the Hope Inlet area for nearly a decade, so me and a mate, Sean, finally booked it in, got a clear Sunday on the domestic front, and away we went. 
we left Buff Creek only about two hours after the turn of a massive spring high. So she's going to be pretty safe, but heading out down towards Hope, I've gone a little bit too far right on the bank and you wouldn't read about it. 7.56am, haven't even cast a line. Seven fifty. We. That's a whole day ahead of us in Shoal Bay. We're in about twenty centimetres of water, and that tide's ripping out. It's at that point that your heart starts to sink, and you get that feeling in your guts like you used to get at school after you'd just broken a classroom window or hung someone's school bag on the lamp post as the teacher walks around the corner. It's a pretty crap feeling. We're just going to have to keep fish. pushing. We have to keep pushing now, otherwise the tide's going to drop right out. We're going to be stuck here. Just keep pushing. <coughs> Push. They're <sighs> not moving. This thing weighs about two tons. We're yeah. never moving. Hey, this. Lift this side. You we'll hang on to that side. Yeah. Okay. And we'll see if we can rock it. No, it's stuck. <sighs> like we're stuck. Well, like all good anglers, I've been stuck a few times and I've never actually been stuck at the start of a fishing day. That's a pretty ugly thought when you're staring down the barrel of eight hours on a mud flat while there's barra all around you that you can't cast to. The positive part about this scenario is that we, we're not going to get stuck again today. It's all good now. There's one thing the Tinnies taught me over the years, it's if you make a mistake, you own it. And I was the skipper, so I was owning the mistake. Even though Sean was partially responsible as the navigator. Well, unbeknownst to me, Sean had asked a couple of his mates along, and his mate's neighbour. And you'll never guess it, but his mate's neighbour turned out to confirm another thing I've learned on the Tinny. And that is that everybody's got a Jimmy. I shit you not. Out of the blue comes a 4.75 metre boat, skippered by a jimmy, with an esky full of beer and an open hand saying, it's all right, fellas, you can come fish with me for the day. You sure you don't mind taking us? How are you? I'm Andy. I'm the most useless navigator in the world. This is Jim. Jim, Andy, g'day. What happens to the best of us? It does. I'm motivated now like you wouldn't believe. You couldn't believe our luck. Well, the barrow were far and few between on this day, but there was a little section up one end of the rock where I had a glimmer of hope, a tiny touch on the ultralight one-inch lure. Everyone else thought I was joking, of course, but I wasn't. And three casts later, bang, we're on. There it is. It's a barrow. I could feel it. Peel on this 10-pound line. And... Oh, he's inhaled that. That's going to go 65. It probably is going to go 65. All of a sudden, my self-confidence that was in the negative territory, about minus 7 or 8, started to creep back up towards zero. And I tell you now, landing a silver 60-centimetre barra a few hours after you've beached your boat, life doesn't get much better than that. That is like a quarter-zone injection for a footy player at half-time. The injury was starting to get repaired. One minute, you're the statue, and the next minute... You're the pigeon. We're now pigeons. 
Well, we spent the rest of the day walking the banks and flicking the rock and working with whatever water there was. There were definitely barra out there, but gee, they were, they were hard to get on the chew. They really were hard to catch on the lure, and there's no way we were going to resort to live bait. No way at all, because there wasn't any there. As that tide started to come in, a second very small bite window, probably only lasting for about half an hour as that tide rushed in. And I'll tell you what, there is no better feeling than sitting in your boat in the middle of a sand flat with no water in sight one second and a tidal bore coming towards you the next second. I felt that. Oh yeah, I reckon we might be. I reckon it's happening. Ah, it's moving. Well, the back's coming around. back's coming around. Wow. I honestly don't think I would have got through that day if it wasn't for the principles the Tales from the Titty has taught me over the years. If you make a mistake, don't fight it, just own it. If you're going fishing with a mate, make sure he brings lunch. That's what he did. Good job, Sean. Those rolls were almost as good as young Josh's cupcakes. And in the moments of despair, at the time when you think that there is no hope at the time where you think you are powerless and your self-confidence is going into the negative territory. Always remember, just around the corner, there will always be a Jimmy. And there will always be a pigeon. <laughs> Look, regardless of how many times you get stranded and you stuff it up, Andy, you'll always be a pigeon in my eyes, mate. You know, occasionally you're going to get shat on and be the statue. But to me, you're the tinny's pigeon, okay? The so message you're, I you're, took... You're all right, Andy. The message I took from this, it, he said, months of planning. <laughs> <laughs> and I just remember that trip last year to the Roper that the grim, went the horribly grim, wrong. The Grim Roper. Yeah. yeah. The man that says safety doesn't take a holiday. But the man for whom safety is on leave most often... <laughs> Pretty much on permanent annual leave. Safety. <laughs> yeah, just keep pushing, Andy, and own that mistake just a bit, bit longer, yeah. and um, and hopefully keep a few jimmies up your sleeve because you're going <laughs> to need them. I cannot believe it, it was an actual Jimmy. It was his real name. It was Jimmy. He came around the corner. Jimmy was the Jimmy. It was Jimmy. <laughs> and jimmied him from his marooning. Here's the thing, though, and the tough one to adjudicate on. Andy, the strandee, outfished Jimmy on his own boat. Oh, that's rude. Uh, yeah, is that is, Ooh, is it rude? You know, I would have dropped that fish just to be nice. I'd wait till he caught one. And I would be worried about being stranded a second time in one day. You know, you know the thing about Jimmy, though? He wouldn't have cared because Jimmy is there to save a life. And save a man's pride and save a man's integrity and put a man who's down and out with the world and himself onto a fish because that's Jimmy. Do you think that maybe Jimmy, when Andy wasn't watching, because, you know, Andy doesn't watch, he actually put that barrel on his line? <laughs> he might have, knowing Jimmy. G'day, guys. It's Waddy from Barefoot Fishing Safaris here. With a fresh new haircut. Yeah, that's right, Beard. We've uh, had a little in-town meeting today, haven't we? I've stepped out of the barber shop, getting the uh, the old mane trimmed up for the festive season. Continuing with the California shag, I believe. Yeah, well, it's only fitting, isn't it? I live I live rural, so you you got to run the party at the front and the business at the back, or whatever way it goes. What is it? <laughs> business at the front, party at the back. It's opened up the ears for me now, so I get a bit more breathability, but also keeps the sun off the back of the neck, mate. How's the fishing been going? 
Fishing's been good, yep. Um, it's really started to kick into that proper build-up weather now. So, um, yeah, we've had some stable stable weather and stable conditions. I think those bigger fish are coming on the chew as well as, you know, the, the sea's flattening off for us. So we've been able to, you know, venture a bit wider than we have done in the last, I guess, month when it's been windy. So where have you been hitting up? Yeah, I've been all over the place as usual, but uh, I did uh, I did two three-day trips uh, so, sort of 10 days ago, last set of tides, and we had a few days in Bino, which was pretty good. We're getting into it few barra a day per person as well as all the other sundries and then we actually shot down to the perrins and um, found those dewies back on the chew down there which was really good and um, and some of these boys from Alice Springs ticked it off their bucket list mate they were stoked. Being from Alice yeah I can see why. Yeah these blokes make a few trips up a year to get wash a bit of red dirt off and take some fish home you know it's good for them. <laughs> there was a certain video you posted of a, of a fish being netted uh, at the shore what was going on there? I've been lucky enough to sort of latch onto a school of fish um, got the heads up from a couple of mates a few weeks ago that there's a school of fish in an area that I like to fish this time of year and um, been chasing them around every every day I can on the neap tides and uh, let me guess this is the north arm of the harbour yeah that's right mate north arm or woods inlet wherever you like to call it we saw something really extraordinary that day mate and everyone's seen the video I think there's been 71,000 views of that video now yeah it was a 91 centimetre barra that we scooped up off the bank what, you just came across it? What was it? What was the go? Yeah, we'd been working that school of fish, um, trying to get them to bite. We'd pulled one out of there, a 93, which we were super stoked with and sort of thought we'd cracked a bit of a pattern. And then probably a two-metre shark started harassing fish up in the shallows and, and chased this fish up in the bank. And so I was like, oh, he's still there. He's, he's flapping around. Let's let's go, go over and get him. So, yeah, you see in the video that the boys had a bit of trouble scooping him up. But um he actually released really well, and, and we did see that same fish sort of cruising around looking a bit dazed shortly afterwards, but I think he survived. Coming in to, to build up proper, what do you change up this time of year? You know, is there anything you do differently? Yeah, I mean, the main difference for me for targeting the barra particularly, like we do start to focus on the bigger fish again. Obviously, that's what people are coming up for. You can go a couple of ways. I reckon you can be targeting them in a pretty traditional way uh, of trolling your bigger lures in the mouths of rivers and stuff like that. I tend to um, go more into finding sort of aggregations of big, of the bigger fish who are sort of thinking about spawning and, and trying to work them. It, it can be hard to get them to bite as they do get a bit doughy when they're schooled up like that. But um, if you can work on them over a period of a few sets of tides and, and sort of crack a bit of a code, you can get some rewards. And it's a really engaging way to fish, of course, when you're watching your sounder and trying to figure them out. Yeah. This week sees uh, a, a fairly uh, tantalising set of neeps for a lot of people. Uh, have you got plans for this particular set? Yeah, I'm I'm fishing for a few days over this set of building tides, and and if this weather holds off like it is, it's it's probably going to be the first really good chance um, everyone will get. I'd, I'd say plenty of people will be heading to Shady, the mouth of the South, to, um, you know, Tommy Cut as well as um, you know coastal creeks everywhere. And if the weather stays flat and the and the wind doesn't dirty that water up, I think there'll be plenty of good fish caught this weekend for sure. You live out rural area, you've been getting much rain? We're getting rain every night. It's been spectacular, proper knock them downs and, you know, 20 mils in a storm. So I really keep an eye on the, on the rain falling over the daily catchment at this time of year and, and it's, been, it's been hammering down there. I spoke to Stewie down there at the Barra Resort the other day and he was saying they've had a pretty good bit of rain there and, and they're starting to look for that early flush, which will be exciting. What do you I think the last time we talked, you and Mick had just come back from a billabong trip where uh, your, your trailer had almost snapped in half and you'd done a, you Jerry rigged up a pretty much tree trunk. 
uh, underneath it. Is that still holding form? Yeah, no, the, that uh, said tree is actually at my place now, just in case we have another breakdown and, and need a suitable bit of timber. But Mick's pretty handy with a welder, so he's fixed that trailer up. We're, touch wood, we haven't had, had too many disasters since then. Too good of a bit of wood to just chuck out in the bush, so it's sitting there beside my shipping container, just in case I need it. Uh, all right, man. Well, uh, look, good luck going on the rest of the build-up. Uh, I suppose you're probably in planning mode as well for uh, for the runoff, so let's, uh, let's hope we get heaps of rain, eh? Yeah, that's right. It'd be exciting to fish the um, big rivers this year. I think particularly Daly and places like that that didn't flood the south, um, the fish that are coming out of the billabongs uh, out of that surrounding catchment are going to be bigger and hungrier than, than we've probably seen them for a few years. So very excited to get a big wet and, and get stuck into that runoff mid-February. You seen his California shag rock? Oh, well... He's, he's rocking some seriously cool, you know, it's kind of designer, designer messy shag. Well, he's the Tinny's hair guru, hair... Trendsetter. Yeah, and I remember that one of the first photos I ever saw of Waddy was when he had shaved bits and pieces out of his beard. Oh, you can't get that image out of your head. No, no, it scarred me. It it looked like a half a dozen D6 cats on his face. It's quite a heinous picture. (laughs) I can't believe it's scarred into your memory. Yes. This is when, this is during the time, Fishos, if you're new to the Tinny... When Waddy, Dave Krantz and Mick from Nightcliff went into a competition that spanned months and years of weather-related beard sculpting. So there was a cyclone and then Waddy stepped it up. Uh, I think it was Waddy or Krantz did a sou'easter where their beard was shaved kind of across from the southeast. Mm. The cyclone was obviously going around, a moustache and beard going around the mouth in a circular uh, synoptic type fashion. Uh, then Waddy came out with this one, the Dozen Desex Cats, which was actually patchy afternoon storm for the build-up, and it was just little <laughs> clumps of hair and really, really, really disgusting. Mick put them on their ass though, when he um, when he did the burn-off, the dry season burn-off, and <laughs> set his beard all up. No one ever came back from that. We have to say goodbye, Tim. It's that time again, and say thank you to Brian Miles and Travis Betts, Zane Capo. And our very own bird man himself, the pigeon man, Andy Wharton, (laughs) Captain Glenn Watt and Lockie Orange. And thank you, Kelly Carroll, for showing us all how to keep a cool head in a tricky situation in a top-end territory crisis. (laughs) Wow! (laughs) (laughs) That's how you handle it. That's how you you stay cool and collected. Get stuck into it, fishos, and get a hysterical (laughs) screaming mullet up (laughs) your... (laughs) Meow! <laughs> <laughs>